0: In early 1968, after several years of deadly conflict, the Vietnam War had reached a stalemate. And the U.S., with its vastly superior air power, was in danger of gaining the upper hand over North Vietnam and their leader, Ho Chi Minh.
1: At the time, 77-year-old Ho Chi Minh's health was in rapid decline. Even to members of his own government, it was obvious that he was no longer the man who'd led Vietnam to victory over the French 14 years earlier.
0: But Ho was resilient. He knew that to defeat the American military, he would need to do something spectacular, something drastic. So, Ho gave his blessing to an audacious plan that would become known as the Tet Offensive.
1: Between January 30th and 31st, during the time of Vietnamese Lunar New Year, North Vietnamese forces launched a coordinated attack on cities, towns, and military bases throughout the South. Over the next month, the battle would cost tens of thousands of lives.
0: Although Ho Chi Minh wouldn't live to witness an all-out Vietnamese victory, the offensive changed the course of the war and finally set Vietnam down the path toward independence once and for all. Welcome to Dictators, a Spotify original from ParCast. I'm Richard.
1: And I'm Kate. You can find all episodes of Dictators and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify.
0: In this season of Dictators, we're exploring three of the 20th century's most famous Marxist-Leninist leaders, Vladimir Lenin, Fidel Castro, and Ho Chi Minh.
1: Last week, we explored Ho Chi Minh's quest for Vietnamese independence and how being rebuffed by Western nations ultimately led him down the path to communism. After decades of fighting, Ho helped propel his country to victory in a battle against the French.
0: This week, we'll examine his reign as leader of North Vietnam and how he successfully defended the country from one of the world's military superpowers. We'll also delve into his own peculiar adherence to Marxist-Leninist doctrine. He chose the bits and pieces that best suited his own political ambitions, the freedom and autonomy for his country, at any cost.
1: Coming up, we'll head to North Vietnam.
0: Pretty Litter is veterinarian-developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home.
2: Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
0: After World War II, the once expansive British and French empires began dissolving as the spirit of independence spread around the world. And after the Viet Minh, the military force led by Ho Chi Minh, defeated the French in 1954, Vietnam now belonged to its own people… kind of.
1: At that same time, tense negotiations were happening in Geneva over the stalemate of the Korean War. Once they were done talking about Korea, the countries turned their attention toward Vietnam, where they adopted a similar, albeit far less logical, strategy.
0: In the aftermath of the Korean War, the Korean Peninsula was split into the Communist North and Democratic South, a tenuous agreement that remains in place to this day. It was decided that Vietnam would be divided in exactly the same manner.
1: Ho Chi Minh and the Viet Minh would control the Communist North, and the U.S. would install a Western-friendly politician named Ngo Dinh Diem to lead the Democratic South. In two years' time, both sides would hold a joint election to decide who would lead all of Vietnam.
0: Ho Chi Minh was justifiably furious with this arrangement, but his communist allies in China and the Soviet Union urged patience. They knew that the United States was intent on stopping the spread of communism at all costs, so they allowed the US to dictate the terms of the Vietnam split knowing that if they didn't, they would have another war on their hands.
1: Everyone in Geneva knew that the arrangement in Vietnam was completely unfeasible, but no one knew just how costly it would turn out to be.
0: With this bizarre set of terms in place, Ho returned to what was then North Vietnam. To win over the hearts and minds of his countrymen in the South, he would have to contend with a wily and equally unpredictable adversary their new leader, Ngo Dinh Diem.
1: Unlike Ho, Diem was from a noble Catholic Vietnamese family. But like Ho, he became an ardent nationalist as a young man. He believed in Vietnamese independence, but disagreed with Ho's communist ideology.
0: Diem had been working toward Vietnamese independence since the early 1930s. In fact, in 1945, Ho Chi Minh actually offered Diem a position in the nascent Viet Minh government. But Diem refused, and from there, things went quickly downhill.
1: During the fight for independence, Diem attempted to rally support in the south, not only for himself, but against Ho and the Viet Minh in general. Ho was so furious that he tried to have Diem killed, but the assassination was unsuccessful, and Diem managed to flee the country.
0: In the early 1950s, Diem settled briefly in the United States for a few years. He attempted to convince US officials that he would be an effective leader in Vietnam and uphold anti-communist ideals. In 1954, when the US negotiated the terms of the Geneva Accords, they decided that Diem would be as good a man as any to lead the democratic South.
1: So, by the end of July 1954, Diem was leading the South, while his arch-rival Ho Chi Minh was in charge of the North. Neither man had any intention of abiding by the terms of the convention and waiting for a national election. Instead, they were on a collision course to gain control of all of Vietnam for themselves.
0: By the end of 1954, hundreds of thousands of Northern Vietnamese moved south, most of them Catholics, who feared persecution under a communist regime. But it was actually Diem who launched the first wave of ideological persecution.
1: Upon assuming office, Diem immediately used the military to imprison and kill communists. Many South Vietnamese feared that their new leader was just as oppressive as their former French overlords.
0: Meanwhile, in the north, Ho Chi Minh adopted an equally unpopular strategy agrarian land reform. In doing so, he seized excess property from the landlords and redistributed it to the peasant farmers. It was modeled on Mao Zedong's similar program in China, and the results were just as grim.
1: Like Mao, Ho attempted to level the playing field for the poor peasants who had been trapped in a feudal system for generations. And since it was suspected that most landlords and members of the upper class were anti-communist, rooting them out would kill two birds with one stone.
0: From the start, the land reforms were a fiasco. Members of the Viet Minh were sent to enforce the program in rural villages where they knew no one and had no idea how things worked. As a result, many villagers abused the program to settle petty conflicts between themselves.
1: In thousands of cases, villagers claim that a neighbor who had wronged them was actually a South Vietnamese loyalist. Often the accused was summarily executed.
0: It's unclear if Ho ever approved this use of indiscriminate violence. After the programs began receiving public criticism, he told his men to ease up. But by this time, it was already too late to change public opinion.
1: In 1955, the first protest against the Viet Minh took place in the Wen Lu District, an area along the North Vietnamese coast where many inhabitants were Catholic. This initial protest was quelled by the military, who killed several demonstrators.
0: This naturally resulted in even more anger. Soon, the protests spread across the North. By late 1956, a crowd gathered outside the Central Committee headquarters in Hanoi to voice their displeasure with the government.
1: Many of the protesters felt betrayed by Ho's government and accused them of employing the same tactics used by the French. Fearing an uprising in early 1957, Ho issued a semi-public apology for the violence, which by some estimates had already killed between 12,000 and 15,000 people.
0: But Ho's missteps were nothing compared to those of Nodin Diem.
1: In the South, Diem had grown increasingly authoritarian. He made it known that he had no intention of holding the national elections stipulated at the Geneva Convention. And he soon embarked on an agrarian campaign similar to Ho's land reforms.
0: In 1957, Diem set out to create a series of what he called agrivilles. In doing so, he had peasants and farmers set up in heavily fortified hamlets that featured barbed wire, moats, and mud walls. They were organized into armed militias, prepared to do battle or keep out any northern infiltrators.
1: This tactic was surprisingly effective at reducing communist influence in the south, but it was highly unpopular among the public. It also led to a serious increase in violence against suspected communists.
0: Between 1957 and 1959, an estimated over 2,000 suspected enemies had been killed and thousands jailed. Naturally, Diem's policies drove many people directly into the arms of the North. Capitalizing on the turmoil, the Ho Chi Minh Trail was born.
1: Ho's goal was always to unite Vietnam under the banner of communism. But in order to do that, they needed thousands of Vietnamese in the South to help their cause. Starting in 1959, a steady flow of guerrilla fighters moved south to engage in small-scale organizing, uprisings, and infiltration.
0: Ho couldn't just fly weapons to the southern rebel groups, even if he had the capacity to do so. So, just as the Viet Minh forces had done against the French, they carved out a network of trails from North Vietnam along the borders of Laos and Cambodia all the way to the south. The route ran through the jungle to transport troops, weapons, and supplies.
1: Despite Diem's best efforts to stop them, the push of troops from the north was overwhelmingly successful and began wearing down the southern troops assigned to stop them. A number of Southerners switched sides, sympathizing with the Viet Minh and turning against Diem.
0: By December of 1960, disparate rebel groups in South Vietnam coalesced into the National Liberation Front, or NLF, and its military arm became known as the Viet Cong. From then on, the term Viet Minh was only used to reference the Northern Communist government.
1: For Diem, the next three years were a study in chaos and incompetence. By 1963, with morale at an all-time low and his grip on power hanging by a thread, Diem committed his gravest error yet. He ordered his military to fire on a group of protesting Buddhist monks.
0: The monks were protesting Diem's decision to outlaw the displaying of religious flags right before Wesak Day the biggest Buddhist holiday that celebrates Buddha's birth and life. This decision resulted in the forceful removal of Buddha's flags by the police. When the monks protested on May 8th, rather than engage with them, Diem had them shot. Then, he falsely blamed the killings on the Viet Cong.
1: In response to the shootings, a monk named Tek Guang Duc did something that would bring attention from all over the world. On June 11, 1963, a group of over 300 Buddhist monks and nuns marched in downtown Saigon. Guang and two other monks parked their car at an intersection near Diem's presidential palace. Guang exited the car and calmly sat in the middle of the road in a lotus position while his compatriots doused him in kerosene. Then he lit a match and went up in flames.
0: As he burned to death in front of a crowd, Guang chanted softly. The following day, a picture of his self-immolation was on the front page of every newspaper around the world. U.S. President John F. Kennedy stated, No news picture in history has generated so much emotion around the world as that one.
1: For Diem, it was the death knell of his administration. And as Ho Chi Minh tried to seize on the political chaos, the United States would step in to try and stop him. The result was the most savage conflict in Vietnam's long and troubled history.
0: Coming up, Ho Chi Minh launches an invasion of the South.
2: The internet. What would we do without it? So much information, so little time. And yet, with all the answers available online, there still lie scores of deep, dark, spooky secrets. Mysteries yet to be solved, until now. This isn't clickbait, this is our exclusive new podcast, Internet Urban Legends. I'm Loie, your evidence expert. And I'm Eleanor, the self-proclaimed skeptic. Together we're the gruesome twosome, sleuths in search of the weirdest stories on the web. Every Tuesday, we investigate the internet's creepiest conundrums, covering each conspiracy theory and combing through every clue to separate hoax from haunt. Whether it's the video sure to make you lose your appetite, Blank Room Soup. Or every kid's worst nightmare, the terrifying truth behind Disney's deaths. Or every parent's worst nightmare, social media's Momo Challenge. Each episode of Internet Urban Legends is chock full of disturbing details which are either truly demented or ripe for debunking. And no matter our conclusion, we're sure to be left scared half to death. So won't you join us? Follow our new Spotify original from podcast, Internet Urban Legends. Listen free and exclusively on Spotify.
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during
2: inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down.
1: no Dinh Diem, the leader of South Vietnam, was quickly losing power. His disastrous policies lost him virtually all his support. Even the United States, who had chosen him to lead as a harmless puppet, began to rethink their relationship.
0: But the ultimate threat to Diem would come from within. A cabal of leaders in the South Vietnamese military plotted to assassinate Diem and take over the government. They were in contact with American delegates who supported the takeover, but were not aware of their plans for assassination.
1: On November 1, 1963, the coup was set in motion. The military commanders secured the support of Diem's government, who had long since turned on their leader. Then they phoned the palace, offering Diem exile if he surrendered. Diem refused.
0: Diem and a small group of Loyalists fled to a nearby Catholic church. They were captured and executed the following day, after which Diem's corpse was tossed into an unmarked grave beside the residence of the U.S. ambassador.
1: For Ho Chi Minh and his forces in the north, South Vietnam was now ripe for the plucking. The only question was how to do it, and who would be calling the shots.
0: At 73 years old, Ho's health was slowly failing. He recognized that his faculties were in decline, particularly his stamina and memory. Although he was still serving as president, his role was becoming that of a figurehead. In fact, he had already turned over control of the government to his long-serving second-in-command, Dong.
1: After Diem's death, Ho was cautious about sending more troops into the south. Some party members figured that the Viet Cong could simply mobilize everyone who'd already turned on Diem into one political force, one that would happily merge power with his communist government.
0: But Le Dung disagreed, and so did other members of the Politburo, the highest body of the Vietnamese Communist Party. One month after Diem's assassination, it was decided to launch an invasion into South Vietnam.
1: Naturally, it didn't take long for the United States to notice. By late 1963, U.S. President Lyndon B. Johnson began receiving constant reports about the chaos in South Vietnam. He and his advisors came to the conclusion that, without U.S. intervention, the country would fall to the communists.
0: However, 1964 was an election year, and LBJ worried that committing U.S. troops to another conflict abroad would undermine his prospects. So rather than confront the Red Menace head-on, he attempted some backdoor negotiations.
1: In mid-1964, a Canadian intermediary was sent to Vietnam to offer what was, in essence, a bribe. If North Vietnam stopped trying to overthrow the tenuous government in the South, they would be rewarded handsomely by the U.S.
0: They declined. Instead, the North Vietnamese forces attempted to draw the U.S. into open conflict by attacking American troops who were scattered throughout the South as peacekeepers. And no event was more instrumental in escalating the conflict than the Gulf of Tonkin incident.
1: On August 2, 1964, when a U.S. destroyer on patrol in the Gulf of Tonkin was being chased by communist boats and began firing, several North Vietnamese torpedo boats attacked it. Although the torpedo boats didn't actually damage the American ship, their message was delivered loud and clear.
0: In hindsight, this could have been the moment that Johnson cut his losses and abandoned Vietnam once and for all. That, of course, is not what happened.
1: After winning the election in 1964, Johnson decided to ramp up the U.S. military presence in Vietnam. And with every new wave of soldiers came more guerrilla attacks by rebel forces.
0: On October 31st, Viet Cong soldiers attacked a U.S. airbase at Ben Hoa. The attack killed four Americans and wounded 30 more.
1: That same year, the Viet Cong bombed a hotel frequented by foreign journalists and an American officer's quarters.
0: But the most deadly attack occurred on February 7, 1965, when Viet Cong soldiers attacked a remote U.S. Special Forces camp. Eight Americans were killed and 100 were wounded.
1: In response, Lyndon B. Johnson ordered multiple airstrikes throughout North Vietnam, and the deployment of more soldiers.
0: Though there were already nearly 200,000 American troops in Vietnam by the end of 1965, it was still considered a limited war. By early 1966, however, the U.S. fully went on the offensive.
1: U.S. forces began conducting search-and-destroy missions throughout the South to root out insurgents and push them back into the North. Often, these operations were carried out by joint task forces of American and South Vietnamese troops. And while nearly every operation resulted in heavy casualties for both sides, the Vietnamese were hit the worst.
0: As a result of the death toll, Ho began to experience something of an existential crisis. He once again undertook a campaign of traveling through North Vietnam and meeting its citizens. Only this time, It was something of a farewell tour.
1: Though his tour was mostly to inspect various factories, farms, and schools, it was also an opportunity to remind his constituents what they were fighting for. Leaning into his Uncle Ho persona, he urged the North Vietnamese to win the war for Old Ho and for communism.
0: While Ho's tour may have seemed innocuous enough, It also happened to coincide with a huge boost in the number of men and boys conscripted to fight, as well as the number of women volunteers. Nearly 400,000 soldiers were brought into the war effort, all between the ages of 16 and 45.
1: Even though Ho had more or less abdicated his role as leader of the military, he still knew that an all-out war against the United States was inevitable. He also knew that he was the architect of the conflict that would reap untold death and destruction on his country.
0: With that in mind, it's likely that his tour was motivated by guilt. The bloodshed of his people would be on his hands, and he wouldn't even live to see the end of the conflict. Even worse, they might lose, rendering the entire struggle moot.
1: Ho had reason to be fearful of a U.S. victory. The Americans had a powerful air force at their disposal, and they showed it off with Operation Rolling Thunder, an operation that began in 1965 and would last the next three years.
0: The goal for the operation was to overwhelm the enemy with fire from the sky, targeting strategic posts in North Vietnam to halt the supply of troops and weapons to the south, and spraying the land with chemical agents like napalm.
1: But the Vietnamese knew how to face an enemy with superior weaponry. After their experience fighting the French, they understood that the most effective strategy was for troops to hide in the dense, almost impenetrable jungle and to keep constantly moving. They also received a decent amount of help from the Soviet Union and China.
0: As a result, the U.S. bombs largely targeted rural villages and other outposts that were suspected of harboring Viet Cong soldiers. Unfortunately, by the time of the attacks, the targets were usually populated only by civilians.
1: The destruction forced civilians to relocate, and bomb shelters were constructed in cities. Unfortunately for the U.S., the attack did little to actually destabilize the enemy. In fact, no matter how many deaths they suffered, the Viet Cong were able to regroup after every bombardment, forcing a war of attrition on a horrifying scale.
0: Ho, despite his failing health, knew that they were heading for a bloody stalemate. The Viet Cong had far more boots on the ground, but it was going nowhere. Something drastic needed to happen in order to turn the tide of the war.
1: And at the beginning of 1968, Ho Chi Minh and his generals put their plan into action. The Tet Offensive.
0: Coming up, Ho Chi Minh's final hurrah. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to
2: 30% off gifts for mom.
0: Now, back to the story.
1: By the beginning of 1968, the Vietnam War had reached something of an impasse. The U.S. was bombing the country into oblivion, but making little progress toward an actual victory. Instead, Operation Rolling Thunder simply pushed the Viet Cong deeper into the jungle, where they waited for their leader, Ho Chi Minh, to give the order to strike.
0: By now, Ho was 77 years old and looked and felt even older. He was no longer the fearless rebel leader who led his people to independence, but he still had his fighting spirit. And he was planning his next attack for January 31st, the day of the Lunar New Year.
1: The celebration of Tet, or the Lunar New Year, is the most significant holiday in Vietnam. The festivities usually involve feasts, parties, and family reunions. In essence, the entire country comes to a halt for almost an entire week, and in previous years, a period of ceasefire by both sides was observed during this celebration. But not in 1968.
0: Northern forces knew that the Americans expected them to stop fighting in recognition of Tet. As a result, Ho Chi Minh knew better than anyone That it was the perfect time to strike.
1: Though he wasn't the architect of the offensive, Ho had discussed it at length with his generals and Chinese and Soviet allies. Even though he had advocated for less violent measures in the past, Ho saw the Tet Offensive as perhaps the greatest opportunity for his side to turn the tide of the war.
0: And with Ho's blessing, the operation was launched. It required months of preparation, with the eventual plan being a series of coordinated strikes on U.S. targets.
1: The offensive began on January 30th. That night, cities, towns, and military establishments throughout South Vietnam were attacked by around 70,000 Viet Cong troops with rocket fire and machine guns.
0: As expected, the attacks took the Americans and South Vietnamese by surprise and it was only about to get worse.
1: Early on January 31st, around 4,000 Viet Cong troops attacked the capital, Saigon.
0: Saigon was thought to be fortified and relatively secure from attack, which is why the Americans chose it as their center of operations, and why the Northern Army chose it as their main target. In the downtown area alone stood the U.S. Embassy and the South Vietnamese government palace two locations they heavily attacked and occupied.
1: The attacks lasted for about a month, with the Viet Cong suffering the heaviest losses. It's estimated that more than 30,000 Viet Cong soldiers were killed, compared to roughly 4,000 South Vietnamese and over 1,000 Americans.
0: And even with the element of surprise, the offensive ultimately didn't result in the North Vietnamese gaining new ground.
1: The maneuver couldn't be considered an outright victory. However, it did accomplish something much greater. It sent a message to everyone around the world that the U.S. and South Vietnamese did not have the upper hand.
0: Up until this point, CBS News anchor Walter Cronkite, nicknamed the most trusted man in America, had been delivering remarkably positive reports about the chances of a U.S. victory. However, after receiving cables from Saigon about the breach of the U.S. Embassy, he remarked in shock, What is going on? I thought we were winning the war.
1: Cronkite traveled to Vietnam to report directly on the Tet Offensive. When he returned, he delivered perhaps the most famous editorial ever broadcast on American television.
0: In a brief address to his millions of viewers, Cronkite stated, It seems now more certain than ever that the bloody experience of Vietnam is to end in a stalemate. It is increasingly clear to this reporter that the only rational way out then will be to negotiate, not as victors, but as an honorable people who lived up to their pledge to defend democracy and did the best they could.
1: Watching from the White House, Lyndon Johnson was rumored to have replied, If I've lost Cronkite, then I've lost Middle America.
0: While public opinion was shifting around the world, Ho Chi Minh and the North Vietnamese were slowly making progress, though they were suffering massive troop and civilian casualties in the process. American fighter pilots were still engaged in Operation Rolling Thunder and doing their best to bomb the country back to the Stone Age.
1: All the while, the aging Ho Chi Minh was growing increasingly infirm. Realizing that the end was near, Ho updated his will with a request. He wished to be cremated and have his ashes spread in the north, south, and middle of Vietnam to symbolize his desire for unification.
0: While celebrating his 79th birthday, Ho's generals promised him a victory and assured him he would be able to visit South Vietnam. Unfortunately for Ho, it wasn't to be.
1: In August, Ho's health took a turn for the worse. For weeks, he'd suffered from an irregular heartbeat and chest pain. Finally, at 9.45 a.m. on September 2nd, his heart stopped.
0: Ho Chi Minh, the architect of Vietnamese independence, was dead.
1: But his dream was not. Capitalizing on the momentum of the Tet Offensive and the low morale of U.S. troops, The Viet Cong would only need four more years to achieve a victory against the world's greatest military superpower.
0: In January 1973, a peace agreement was reached between the US and Vietnam, one that was hauntingly similar to the Geneva Accords. US troops would withdraw from the country, and the governments of the North and South would negotiate the terms of a ceasefire. Basically, the agreement put the country exactly where it had been before U.S. involvement.
1: Naturally, this agreement was broken almost immediately. By 1975, North Vietnamese troops seized Saigon. Now, after countless years of occupation, all of Vietnam belonged to the Vietnamese and to communism. Shortly after, Saigon would be renamed Ho Chi Minh City.
0: For years, Vietnam was plagued by the same problems as Cuba, the Soviet Union, and other communist nations with authoritarian leaders, corruption, and a sluggish economy. It wasn't until the 1990s when regulations on businesses began to relax that Vietnam's economy recovered to some degree.
1: As for the man who led Vietnam to throw off the yoke of colonialism, feelings about him are mixed. On one hand, Ho Chi Minh's vision did lead the country to achieve independence, but controversy remains about his tactics and ideology.
0: Ho's legacy, while inextricably linked to Vladimir Lenin and Fidel Castro, is largely and unjustly overshadowed by them as well. All three men fought against some form of imperialism and won.
1: Whether Ho was a dedicated Marxist or simply use the ideology to form alliances with stronger countries, he will always be a true revolutionary, one who should be recognized for his commitment to independence, not just for the Vietnamese, but for victims of colonization all over the world. Thanks for listening to Dictators. Join us on Thursday for a special episode where we dive into the basics of Marxism-Leninism. We'll chart the ideology's development and see why it was so attractive to leftist revolutionaries across the world. Among the many sources we used, we found Ho Chi Minh, A Life by William J. Diker extremely helpful to our research.
0: You can find all episodes of Dictators and all other Spotify originals from ParCast free on Spotify.
1: We'll see you next time.
0: Dictators is a Spotify original from ParCast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Billy Pace, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Isabella Way. This episode of Dictators was written by Tony Goodman, with writing assistance by Kate Gallagher and Joe Guerra. Fact-checking by Adriana Romero, and research by Bradley Klein. Dictators stars Kate Leonard and Richard Rosner.